Well, I want to talk to you about something really fun that everyone loves to talk about. Obedience. And I'll, sh- I'll show you why. This, is, this flows from this, this gospel, believe it or not. So the context here is the fourth commandment. What is the fourth commandment? Here's my, my reminder to honor your mother and father. Four fingers. There's one of these for every commandment. You can learn it that way. So four fingers. So to honor your mother and father. That's the fourth commandment. The catechism describes how there are many sins, of course, that we can commit against our parents. And then it goes on to explain how this doesn't just refer to our parents. It refers also to other authority figures, both civil and ecclesial. But first, let me make a couple of preliminary points. One is just a review for all of us, and I've talked about this before, that the we live in a fallen world, right? So God created us for love and from love and for and by love, but the enemy captured us. And so this, this world is enemy territory. And so if we expect perfection on earth, if we expect heaven on earth, we'll be perpetually disappointed. So that's not really a good strategy to go through life. A better one, is to go to the Lord, is to develop a relationship with Him, to receive His love, His grace, His mercy. As we do this, we not only enjoy His friendship here on earth, but we are sanctified and we live with Him for all of eternity, even as this world is collapsing all around us. And we talked about relationship, identity, mission. We grow in our relationship with the Lord, we receive our identity, and then we're sent on mission. But what's most important is our relationship. We, really, we always want to start with relationship and end with relationship. Relationship with God, with God himself. Our identities of being sons and daughters is a fruit. And our mission that we're sent on is a fruit. But we don't want to start with mission. Okay. Now here's another point. A distinction between our intellect and our will. So our intellect has to do with truths. And our will has to do with our actions, the things that we do. Now, truth is, that's kind of the definition of truth. That what is, what really is, what reality is, truth is. And that was created by God, and therefore it's unchanging and unchangeable. Truth cannot be changed. Of course, our understanding of truth can become deeper and deeper and deeper, both at at an individual level and at a, at a collective level. So the church has been discerning truth for millennia. And, old, and the old church, if you will, old Israel, had been discerning truth before the Catholic church began. So the church has been in this business of discerning truth for a long time. But discerning, discovering, not creating, not inventing, not changing. It can't, it's not just that the church doesn't have the power to change but because truth itself is unchangeable. It is what it is. If it weren't, then it wouldn't be truth. Okay, our intellect is what is ordered towards grasping that. We, in our intellect, we move towards a greater understanding of truth. Our will, on the other hand, has to do with our actions, the things that we do. 
And some of those things are good, some are bad, some are virtuous, some are vicious or evil. Some are just better than others. There can be two things that are good, but one is more good than the other. So our actions, that has to do with our will. Now, of course, obedience has to do with which one of those? The will. You can't have anything to do with truth. Right? Nobody can tell me 2 plus 2 equals 5. You have to believe this. That wouldn't make any sense. But somebody can tell me, an authority figure who has legitimate authority over me, could say, write down on a piece of paper that 2 plus 2 equals 5. So that's my action, that's my will. I, maybe they can say that for some reason. They might want me to write that on a piece of paper. Okay. One more distinction here. So this introduction has been five minutes. We'll see if we get done tonight. The distinction between something that's sinful and something that's merely imprudent. Right, so if, let's say I'm a, I'm a child and my, my mother tells me to commit a sin. That's one thing. But what if I'm a child and my mother tells me to do something that's just not the best action? You know, I, I used to play a lot of sports. I knew a lot more about sports than my mother did. She could tell me something about sports and I could, it would just be imprudent if she told me, you know, kick the ball with your left foot instead of your right or whatever. That's not the best action, but it's not, a, it's not sinful to kick the ball with my left foot. Good so far? Clear as mud? Okay, so obedience. So let's see if we can tie this together. So children are commanded by God to obey their parents. Everyone's commanded to obey their parents, but this looks different in different stages of life. To honor, or more precisely, let me clarify, not everyone's commanded to obey their parents. Everybody's commanded to honor their mother and father. That's the command. It's not obey your parents, it's honor your mother and father. Okay, for children, that means obeying them. Now again, obeying not in the intellect. If the child, if the mother or father says something that's wrong, that doesn't make any sense to obey, it doesn't fall in that category. Or if the parents say something, tell the child to, to, to commit a sin. St. Thomas Aquinas would say, and I'll, this will make more sense or be more important when we, in, a, in a little bit, but he would say, we're to, command, we're to obey God first before man. God first before man. So if there's a contradiction, God says, don't sin. And then the authority figure says, sin. We're to obey God. God always says, don't sin. So that's always the right answer. Now, what happens when one obeys, when that child obeys? It's, of course, it's easy when it's the right thing to do or the prudent thing to do. The child obeys. Great. They're growing in their relationship with their parents and they're growing in virtue. But what if it's imprudent or what if the child doesn't agree? It's especially there that the child grows in virtue. When the child says, even though to whatever, however, to whatever capacity they can compute these things and can articulate them, but if they can say, even though this is not the right, even though this is not the best action right now, according to my own prudence, 
My parents are telling me to do it, therefore I will obey them. What's happening there, yes, growing in virtue, but more precisely what's happening there is they're becoming detached from their own will. Detached from their own will. Now that's happening with a child. And the more detached one is from one, one's own will, more free they are. And free for what? Free for a relationship with God. Because their will, will, their will, will, get in their way if they don't become detached from it. Now, the child may not know that yet, but we, with our many years and decades of experience of struggling with our own sins, we know that our, our will gets in our way because we're attached to it. So the more attached we are to our own will, the less free we are to be in relationship with God, the less free we are to deepen that relationship. Okay, then the parents, they don't raise their children by themselves. They also delegate some of that raising to others, to teachers, to administrators of the school, to coaches, and of course, to, to other authority figures in the government, like law enforcement. And the same thing is true there. Not because the law enforcement has a particular gift or something, but because the parents have delegated that to them, even just implicitly. And this is especially true with teachers and coaches, right? Parents have delegated that to the, parent, to the teachers, and now as the child obeys the teacher, they're becoming detached from their will, growing in virtue, growing in freedom, and growing in their relationship with the Lord. Which, remember, is the most important thing. It's really the important thing, because everything else is going to fall away. And you notice how helpful this is if we are convinced that it's the imprudent decision. right? If I, I, I have to win that soccer game, and the way to win that soccer game is by doing what I say, not what my mom says, not what my dad says. What am I doing? I'm focusing on a result here on earth. Okay, maybe that's trivial, but we can think of other examples in our lives. I know that if I do my thing, I know that's gonna produce the best outcome here on earth. And that's gonna be better for my family, for my business, for my community, my society, etc. It may be true, but it's only temporarily true because that good outcome is gonna go away sooner or later. What won't go away is the Lord. So by choosing no to self, dying to self, and saying yes to obedience to the legitimate authority, parents, etc., I'm saying yes to God. I'm becoming more free to develop my relationship with Him. Now, this is also true within the church. And there's a hierarchy in the church. There's a holy hierarchy, the holy church, the church that has been built by God. This hierarchy has at the local level the pastor, at the level above him the bishop, and the level above him the pope. 
the parochial vicar is nowhere in that hierarchy. <laughs> do not do anything I tell you to do. But remember, that hierarchy has to do with will, with actions, with things to be carried out in the world. It doesn't have to do with truth. It can't. Father Flores, as intelligent as he is, he cannot say two plus two is now five. Within my jurisdiction here in Idaho Falls, two plus two is now five. He can't do that. Not just because he doesn't have the authority to, but because truth itself is unchanging. But when the pastor tells me to show up for mass at five o'clock on a Saturday, when I'd rather be out hiking, and even if I, okay, that's trivial, say I have an idea for a program that's better than his idea, which is not true, by the way, don't tell him that. But if I did, and he told me, no, don't do that, if I say, yes, Father, and carry out his will, even if the external outcome is not as good as it would have been had we done my idea, what is happening to me? I am becoming detached from my will and therefore more free to love God, more free to be in relationship with God, more free to walk with God here on earth, detached from my own will, and therefore to be with God for all of eternity. And this is way more important than the fruitfulness of the program that I want to start. Even if my program is great, it's going gonna, it's gonna to dissipate next week or next year, or in five years or whenever. But my eternal soul will live forever. This is true for all of us. Now, it's especially true for us priests when it comes to bishops and popes and the pope. But the same principles apply. If the bishop were to tell me, go west to Boise, I would say, no, bishop, I want to stay in Idaho Falls. Everybody is, they're all saints here. There's nothing, there's no possibility of corruption here for me. Everything is wonderful. Okay, I, I might express my opinion, let's say, but at the end he says, no, I want you to go to Boise. I'd say, okay, yes, bishop. Not because he has authority to change truth, he can't, but because he has jurisdiction over this region, over the state of Idaho. And I have promised obedience to him, and so I obey in my will, not in my intellect. If he, if he believed an error, and he told me to believe an error, I would say, thank you, Bishop, thanks for sharing. If he believed two plus two equals five, I'd say, thank you, Bishop. I know a great psychologist. <laughs> and of course, the Pope. The Pope has universal jurisdiction over the entire world. And this, by the way, is what differentiates the Catholic Church from any other religion, any other denomination, and any other religion. If you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna hear a short path to Catholicism, it's this. Is there a God? Yes. Okay, monotheism is true, everything else is false. Is Christ God? Yes. Christianity is true, everything else is false. 
is the Pope the Vicar of Christ? If that's true, which of course it is, I think it is. If that's true, then all other religions, all other denominations are false, at least in some way. They're short of the truth. They're short of the fullness of truth. And, and Catholicism is true. That's the best reason to be Catholic, by the way, because it's true. There are other good reasons, but the best reason is because Catholicism is true. With all of this, we hear this in this gospel. We hear Jesus building upon the Old Testament, building upon old Israel that had come before him. By the way, if you want to read more about obedience to parents and the fourth commandment and authority figures and ecclesial figures, that's all in the catechism. It's the article four on the fourth commandment. Now, in Isaiah, we just heard in the first commandment, this language of, I will place the key of the house of David on Eliakim's shoulder. When he opens, no one shall shut. When he shuts, no one shall open. And he said, he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. This is in the Old Testament. And this sounds very similar to this language here of Jesus. That Peter is going to be, he's going to have the power to bound and lose on earth. He's going to have the keys of the kingdom. And upon this rock, he will build his church. There's been plenty of study done on this to demonstrate that the same line of authority that was passed down through the kings, through the judges in the Old Testament in old Israel has just been continued in the Catholic Church to Peter and to his successor and then to his successor. And the, the succession is important. The keys imply that something is being passed. It's not just to open and close, but also it's being handed and it's being handed on to the next person. Some objections are, well, this was only for the, the apostles, but there's no longer need for it. That doesn't make any sense because the bigger the church gets, the more that it needs that visible sign, that visible unity around a single figure. And there are other studies like this, other objections and other answers. So this is what differentiates Catholicism from all, all others, is, that the, is the belief that the Pope has universal jurisdiction over the entire world. You can, be, you can be an Orthodox, you can believe all of the truths of the Catholic faith, the Eucharist, apostolic succession, the priesthood, you can believe everything, and you can have again hang up on the, on the universal jurisdiction of the Pope. And that makes you probably an Orthodox Christian, Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, what have you. You can be a Lutheran and you can believe in the, in the transubstantiation at the, at the altar, that the Eucharist really is the body and blood of Christ but you don't believe that the, church, the Pope has universal jurisdiction. That makes you not a Catholic. The thing that differentiates Catholicism from everything else is the papacy. But the papacy, in regards to jurisdiction, in regards to will, the Pope cannot change truth. And we don't have to believe untruths that any Pope tells. But if we want to be Catholic, we want to subscribe to the universal jurisdiction of the Pope, and obey it. Now, for most of you, that doesn't mean anything because the Pope's gonna tell, not going to tell you to go across the world or across the diocese. But his authority gets carried down in the hierarchy. The extension of the papacy gets extended to the bishop, 
and then extend it to the local pastor. Okay, I'll conclude here. The reason why this is important is because this is the path of salvation. It's not just, it's not just about building a community on earth. We heard this from, from St. Paul in his letter to the Philippians. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Obedience is what frees us from our pride, is what allows us to grow in humility, is what allows us to be sanctified. Obedience to proper authority in regards to jurisdiction, not in regards to truth. This is how these words here of our Lord gets communicated into our lives, not just in our intellect, but in our actions. Do you also want to leave? Simon Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced, not just in our intellect, but in our actions also, and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God.